The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. I am pleased, as always, to be joined by my sister from another mister. It's G from Woj TV. Yes, it is. It's me. Hey, Michael, how are you? Well, I've had a few Red Bulls just to keep me awake because having uh, been out and about with Bellator in terms of the media build-up, fight night and post-fight, I'm on vapors right now, so I am ever so slightly tired, but, you know, the Red Bull is definitely keeping me awake. Do you not have Red Bull in the States? Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, we have Red Bull, but I don't drink that. That is gasoline. You must want to die slowly and soon, because that stuff should not be in your body. Why not a cup of coffee? You you know something? Uh, I really should actually switch to a cup of coffee, because I learned, uh, it must have been about six months ago that they actually I'm not sure if it's synthesized now but the original recipe for Red Bull was um, Bull's semen oh my god <laughs> <laughs> look it up look I wasn't it up. ready okay that, I'm so glad I've never had this before in my life except with some Hennessy which was years ago but no I don't drink that stuff it smells yeah, and looks pa- apparently, like <laughs> apparently the, the, the taurine is actually um, well extracted in its original form from bull's semen now I don't know how much of this is urban myth but that got me hook like line and sinker so I, I should actually make the switch in all honesty but anyway cracking on with this week's episode we'll be recapping what went down in the build up to Bellator London also what happened on fight night and we're joined, as always, by our man Kairos and the Daily Express and Daily Stars, Jasanga Malata. You know, I think it's only right, considering we are talking about the build-up to Bellator London, to actually start with Kairos. You all, I have put you through hell for these past few weeks dealing with emotional Kairos. And I apologize for that. I'm an emotional animated person and that's never going to change. But here's what I can guarantee you. I will no longer be emotional until the next thing that makes me emotional makes me emotional. That I can guarantee. Let's talk about something that's not emotional for me. James Gallagher and Mike Kimball. When I first saw that video, I thought that Mike was trying to promote a fight. I thought he was trying to make some noise and have a potential matchup in the future. Little did I know this beef was brewing for a while. Gallagher said in an interview that Kimball had posted a picture, or rather he reposted James's picture of him and his mother and said something to the effect of, she should have swallowed him. I don't know how to say that tactfully, so I said it. I apologize if I offended you for that. But that's the only way I could see how I could say it and get my point across and get what he said across as well. Now, a lot of people say that all is fair in promoting a fight in combat sports and trash talk. And to that, I disagree. I recently uh, sent a question to Chael Son on his show about the same exact subject a few weeks ago. And he said that in combat sports, there's a lot of things that you are allowed to say. But when we see something that is not allowed, we'll know. He says the line between what you can and cannot cross in promoting a fight is kind of like the definition of obscenity. We'll know it when we see it. And we know it when we see it. That's wrong. I think he's out of pocket for that. I think there's some lines that you can't cross guaranteed in promoting fight. And I think that's race, religion, sexual orientation, and family. Those are just the ones off the top of my head. Sure, I'm missing some, but I think those are just the big ones and prominent ones. But at the same time, I think James Gallagher also is coming off as a hypocrite. 
because he was talking about, well, I will never fight this man in the cage, period, point blank. If I see him, it's just going to be in the streets. It's going to be street beef type of stuff because I respect women and blah, blah, blah. Now, that would be okay if it was the truth. And it might be the truth. Who am I to say it might not be the truth at the same time? But a person posted his previous tweets on Twitter literally right after he posted that interview. And there's a lot of B's and H's in those tweets. And I'm not going to pass judgment. I just think that's a little bit ironic. And it wasn't like they were pulling up tweets from six years ago. It was like tweets within a year span and within 11 months span. Sure, you can grow in that time. Sure, you can't grow in that time. But I'm just saying it didn't help his cause. It did not help his cause. And also, people can say Kimball's a young, immature kid. He's 22, but I don't care, man. You can't, you can't say that stuff. Come on. In what world do we live in where you can say something like that and it not be a bad thing or it be okay? I don't know. That's just me. And since James says they are not fighting in the cage, let's just say hypothetically they do fight. I'm going to say James works them. Yeah, sure. Kimball's athletic. He's muscular. But he's been having a tough time with these stronger matchups. I think his last. I think he's dropped his last two. So that's who I'm going with. How do you two feel about this situation? How do you two feel about a matchup between those two as well? Thank you all so much. Have a great day. So, I have to say, um, having been on the actual, being on the ground, you know why I, I chuckled there? It's just that all that I can't get out of my head right now is the video of me just kind of scooting by as in, not today, not today. When all around me, the melee is kicking off. And um, I'd already got my shot, and that was of MVP being manhandled by... Um, by James Gallagher. Now, for those, uh, you must have been living under a rock if you didn't actually catch what actually happened. I, I, I respect James's game because he had full underhooks and he was throwing Michael Venom Page around like a little rag doll. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the truth be known, though, I mean, Michael Venom Page was obviously cutting weight and, you know, it, they weren't going into a full-on fight. So, you right. know, I reckon Michael Venom Page was definitely holding back there but what did you make of what Kairos was actually saying in terms of you know what is actually palatable what constitutes fair play in terms of what you can and can't say um I thought what um what's his name Mike Kimball what he did was just extraordinarily Mm. grotesque and just out of line you know, and if that's a way for him to kind of start a fight with someone so that you can book a fight with them or whatever he was trying to do, it was kind of vile to involve um, his mother and to say such a thing and to screenshot it. And it just goes to show you how immature he is. You know, he's got a lot of growing up to do. And I just don't think that's well, an appropriate way to try to get a fight. My question for you, Mike, is this yeah. their first time having this type of issue? Like, did Mike do that in response to something James did, or is that how the beef started? You see, I interviewed James in the lead-up um, to London, and um, one of the things he was keen to point out, that he is fully aware that Mike basically was trying to step up his game in terms of getting a fight which will challenge, will push, and uh, get his name out there, hence the reason why he targeted James. Oh, now, for me... I understand, you know, where Mike is coming from. He's trying to make waves. He's trying to make an impression. He's trying to get James's attention. Everybody is actually queuing up to knock James's head off. But in all honesty, um, I think he definitely crossed the line. For yeah. me, 
I'm old school in this and I really do adhere to this principle. It's the scarf-based principle. You remember the movie? Of course. Tony Montana had a um, philosophy and that is everything's uh, fair in love and war, but no women, no children. And I I actually, you know, I, I fall in line with that philosophy. I think going after someone's mother is cheap. I think going after someone's, um, well, next of kin, I think is very, very low. And to put it in, in raw terms, as he did, on an open forum like that, I have no problem with James's on-site philosophy. And that was no words were exchanged. He just clocked him with a left. Now, violence isn't the answer to every um, God-given problem, but... You know, I think it would be slightly hypocritical if you were to ask me what I would have done in that situation. And it wouldn't have been far off um, in terms of James's response. Oh, I 100 percent and totally agree with you. I like in the interview that you had with James that he was like, I will never fight him in a cage, which basically he ruined his chances to fight James if he just hadn't been so crass about involving his mother. Perhaps if he talked shit to him online a different way and kind of got the fans behind him and kind of got some like authentic energy for us to want to watch him fight James Gallagher. But for what what he did was just totally inappropriate. And I find that James' response was appropriate. You don't say anything and you just go at him. And I'm not trying to say that I condone this behavior, but we're human beings and he should expect that type of retaliation if you're going to go that low. And as far as what Carol said about James, someone looking up James's... um, past history with women I wasn't tweets yeah yeah, tweets I'm gonna be honest here and maybe I'm contradicting myself I wasn't that offended they're rap songs Mm. I don't know maybe I have my own issues with misogyny and rap music that I need to you know think about but I wasn't that offended that he was quoting rap music I think I've seen far worse from men online perhaps I'm giving James a pass but I feel like what he what resonated more with me was what he said about his mother and I find that it's an honest truth because look at his reaction to it and we all know how he feels about his mother and we all listen to misogynistic rap music you know what exactly. I mean so mm. um, he's also not being accused of rape or other things and other stars that are going through you know what they're going through so I'm not really going to hold that above his head too much and I don't see too many people losing their minds about James speaking up for women and then the tweets coming up. It was a buzz for like a few hours and then it went away. So I'm not really tripping. Exactly. Um, one of the things which worried me though was maybe it's just me, maybe I got the wrong vibe, but in speaking to James about the whole incident, you're right, he was very clear, he was emphatic about the point being this will never ever take place inside the cage yeah. and it made me worried because what was actually you know racketing around or rattling around in my mind was you know Biggie and Tupac this is the kind of thing which could actually spiral out of control because it's taken away from you know an arena where it's competitive and that's where you settle um, any beef, i.e. the cage. But and Michael, this it is, sounded... This is why we need a code of conduct. Hate to interrupt you, I'm sorry. But this is why mm, no, that's cool. these organizations need a code of conduct. Something that's going to keep people in line so that things like this don't turn into Tupac and Biggie. You know what? I could be fined mm. for punching someone in the face. I can be arrested or thrown out of an organization for three-piece in a soda. Do you know what I mean? When you don't... 
you know, have any you type see, of, I, code I of conduct. You see, I hear that. You can expect these types of backlashes, you know? Mm, I, I hear that. But what we um, will end up with, I guarantee you, with a code of conduct is cookie cutter safe. Um, and yeah. basically people who are towing the line so much that we have bland yeah, press conferences, yeah. bland face-offs. We have basically everybody towing the line to a certain extent because they don't actually want to step out of line because they know what the repercussions would be. So I'm really not um, in favour of any sort of constraints. I think the constraint should be your morals. You as a person should actually recognise, am I overstepping the mark? Where is it um, actually going over the line? And how you kind of answer that is, how would you feel if someone did that to you? Right. And that's what I mean about this whole situation. I would be livid if someone screenshot something that I posted mm. on a personal um, you know, net- social network. And then here you are saying my mother should have swallowed me. I would probably attack you, too. I mean, I'm a human being. Yeah, but exactly. What keeps people from doing that? And then here's another thing controversy sells fights this kid really thought by being crass and an asshole he would get a fight with james gallagher you know what i mean so Mm. it's like you're dealing with a lot of themes here what's what's too much how do you sell a fight now like what do the fans want what does the company want and how far do you go because mike obviously was just way too immature to kind of think that this was okay to do but at the same time he's being fueled by fans and 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 controversy and how people get fights nowadays so you yeah i also think of things from his perspective as well even though he's wrong you know <laughs> you know speaking of you know selling fights i think considering that we had a massive dropout in terms of Derek anderson dropping out of this fight just to segue neatly into the other players mm-hmm. on the main card before we you know have a cursory glance as to what went down on the prelims and if there are any standout moments or if there are any standout performers for us both i just want to touch on the fact that you know hats off to fabian edwards and mike shipman for selling the hell out of their fight and i feel as though not only was it fueled by personal animosity it was fueled by personal beef it was real and i love the fact that neither man was prepared to actually back down in terms of the build-up neither man was actually um scripting any of this all of it was real and present and you know they should be applauded um for, for two reasons one which we'll come on to, um, the fact that Mike Shipman, he didn't have to do this. He showed up backstage and he took around about 15 minutes in terms of grilling, in terms of um, being present in front of the media to answer all the questions. And, you know, really and truly, he didn't have to do that. He was actually going through his own personal anguish, his own personal sense of loss. And um, really looking back on that, I would say, you know, um, I'm not trying to be cliche here. I'm not trying to make a big joke. He was the MVP of that event because he just showed what class, what style and what great sportsmanship there was. And I also, you know, commend him really on his effort in terms of what he did in the heat of battle. Absolutely. Who do you think won that fight? It was kind of close. 
I, I am in agreement, I feel, with a lot of the media who were assembled there in saying that it was a very, very close-run fight. It was a very close-run thing. They both bought elements in terms of the game and in terms of their strategy, which, you know, they, they act, were effectively executed exceptionally well. And that was Mike's um, technique was... It, press Fabian up against the cage and to ensure that you know he was stifling him in terms of mm-hmm. um, his inability to get off shots obviously Fabian was trying to execute the game plan in terms of a KO um, what I was a bit surprised at that we didn't actually see the left or left kick or left high kick yeah. as often as we would like but um, let me cut straight to the chase I know I'm going around the houses I scored the first round for Fabian the second round for Mike and the third round for Fabian. Only because in my eyes, when we did have what effectively from where I sat and from where I could see in my vantage point, it looked as though in every single aspect where Mike was trying to execute his game plan, yes, he was stifling the shots, but he wasn't doing anything effective with um, Fabian's inability to get any shots off. I'm talking, you know, for example, when he actually had him on the ground, well, he didn't effectively keep him on the ground right. for any length of time where, you know, you could say, okay, um, he is actually in total control here. And I think, you know, to hold someone and effectively stifle their style through your, bl- uh, what effectively was a blanket type of approach, um, for me, doesn't really do anything for me as a, a spectator, as somebody who is intrigued and, um, you know, looking for an outcome in this fight. But I think in terms of effectiveness, it wasn't doing anything by way of damage. So I personally feel, yes, it was close, but I definitely scored it for Fabian. Oh, we scored it the same way. And what I think... Oh, really? Yeah, I mean... I heard some people thought it could have been a draw or whatnot, but I think Fabian did enough to get um, the job done. And what I think Mm. happened, what you basically described to me, is what I saw too. Both of them nullified each other's greatest strengths. Do you know what I mean? Like, Fabian could not pop off that left kick. And you could see it in his stance. He wanted to so bad. His opponent, Mike Mm. Schumann, shut that down. However... Fabian was shutting down the fact that when Mike did take him down or when Mike did clinch up with him, he was able to get back up or Mike could not submit him. So they were like just shutting down each other's greatest strengths. So I think that's why you didn't get to see anybody's dynamo or or you didn't get to see anybody do anything kind of like what they're known for, which I thought was very good game planning and um, very smart fight IQ on both parts of the fighters. And But what I did notice in the third round um, I believe Leon Edwards told Fabian to step it up, and which he did, and he came out a bit more aggressive. And that at the end of the third round, he took um, Mike Shipman down, which I think kind of put the nail in the cross, you know what I mean, and got him and sealed him that third round. And it looked like Shipman was kind of skating a little bit. And when I watched an interview, a post-fight interview with Mike Shipman, he did mm. say that he eased up on the gas pedal in the third round because he, he thought he was winning. And he regrets not really going forward and, and, and going a little bit harder in the third round, kind of like what Fabian did. So I thought that was very interesting. But of course, Mike thought he should rewatch the fight and he'll make adjustments from there. But I thought it was a pretty decent fight. 
Um, I could watch um, a rematch or, you know, if they don't rematch, I'm not going to exactly be too upset about it. But what are your thoughts on a rematch? You down for it or meh? No, I'm, I'm not feeling the rematch at all. I, I like the fact that they drew a line under the, um, the, the, the rivalry, as it were, in that they respected each other. Okay, the rivalry isn't dead. But what they've done is effectively said, you know, I respect my opponent and I liked the fact that, you know, um, my opponent, excuse me, my, my opponent wasn't actually backing down. Mm-hmm. But I just want to see Fabian move on now and face someone like, you know, Costello Van Steenis, who has previously called him out. Whilst he's coming off a loss, I really do feel in my um, estimation this will be a step up beyond Mike Shipman considering what Van Steenis did to Mike Shipman as well and I think as well that if we were to see this run back I'm not sure what Mike Shipman would do which was different because there's no way that he would stand in a strike with Fabian no. Edwards uh, sorry um, um, it, uh, the only thing that he would be able to do would be to take him down he wouldn't be striking with him and and I think Fabian would be better prepared for that type of offense from Mike and, and possibly win again. You know, I just think they fight the same way in the second fight and Fabian wins again. I just think these two guys are just going to cancel out each, what's so great about each other and Fabian edges it. However, Mike, did you hear about the melee Fabian had after the fight during his celebrations? I, I believe he jumped the cage and there was some type of almost physical altercation between Mike Shipman's team and Fabian celebrating with his family in the crowd. Did you did you get any scoop or deets on that while you were running around? Well, I was actually cage side on Media Row and Press Row and I actually mm. saw when Fabian actually vaulted the cage with his brother, it did look like they were going into battle and that was initially what I thought. So I could, in all fairness, I could understand why Mike's team thought that there was an attack going on because that is the posture and that's what it looked like. They were wrong, yes. They were wrong and I was definitely wrong. So when they charged past press row and, you know, props to my homegirl um, Jade who took one for the team. Um, She apparently was, uh, well, slightly injured as, you know, the, the fighters from Mike's camp were actually rushing towards the cage in in order to actually um, quell any type of attack. But what it looked like was, um, you know, people got the wrong impression and were acting on that wrong impression. And, you know, just what I said just a while ago, I feel as though I certainly got it wrong as well. So from my vantage point, um, I, I couldn't see exactly how the confrontation ended, if they actually fulfilled anything but what I did see was you know at the end um, and being told uh, of a different perspective by Fabian that this was celebratory it wasn't uh, it wasn't an an attack I think it was good for business I think that um, especially in the states you know I saw a post on Twitter when someone was like did you know that Fabian Edwards was related to Leon Edwards I think this um, I think this fight build up and the drama that ensued afterwards and just like all the controversy that was surrounded around it and all the shit talk by Fabian actually yeah. was good for the brand. Like the, the 
the Edwards brothers, they need to make a little bit more noise, especially for the states. And this was good for them. Because believe it or not, some people now do know about Fabian Edwards. And if you know about Fabian, then you're going to come across his brother. So I think they need a little bit of this gossip and controversy and, and drama to follow them around for a little bit. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. they might have to keep it up if they want to get out there. Because, you know, we got that UFC London thing coming up, too. And I'm sure Leon is going to want to be on that card. So he's going to need some of this heat from his brother to carry on and let people see, know who they are, you know? Yeah. You see, Fabian is a natural talker. He's a natural showman. He's very, very outspoken and quite flamboyant with his words. So it doesn't seem, though, that the flamboyant gene in terms of verbal and um, well, oratory skills have actually been uh, passed on right. to um, Leon because he is more the, the quiet, introverted, quiet. Yeah. Uh, cerebral um, of, of the two. Now, I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I just can't see, um, you know, Leon getting into a situation where, you know, he would be um, using words to actually, um, well, change up his, his game and uh, win fans. But... I think at this juncture, it was only right that we bring in Chisanga Malata, who's actually going to talk a little bit more about, from his perspective, how he saw things. Just a few days removed from one of the biggest weekends of mixed martial arts action in the United Kingdom for some time. On a Friday night, we had Cage Warriors 111, which took place at the Indigo at the Oto Arena. And of course, on Saturday night, we had... Bellator 235, which was headlined by Michael Venom Page versus Giovanni Malelo. Um, a lot of action took place over the weekend, um, but unfortunately for Cage Warriors and for many fight fans anticipating the return of a certain scouser, the one and only Paddy Pimlet, they were left disappointed as his uh, fight with Joe Giannetti ended up being cancelled because Joe couldn't make weight. Of course, Joe was a late replacement drafted in on I do believe around 10 or so days if I'm if I'm correct and he couldn't make the 155 pound limit that was required and thus um, Natias Frederick's Natias Frederick's rematch with James Webb uh, Webb being the Cage Warriors middleweight champion the fight was a rematch of the clash at Cage Warriors 106 in the summer in June to be precise which saw Natias throw away a sure victory in my eyes with an illegal spike slam which cost him cost him a point and ultimately cost him the fight he was obviously motivated from the mistakes that he made that night in june because he came out swinging early doors and he managed to get the finish in the fourth round to become cage warriors new middleweight champion and kick off what would be a successful weekend for a team renegade many of whom myself included believe they are now the most successful team in Britain. Webb versus Frederick certainly delivered, but Cage Warriors will no doubt be lamenting the decision to call upon Giannetti on 10 days notice to headline against Paddy. Now, Giannetti claimed that he cut 25 pounds in 10 days after accepting the short notice fight, and that indeed he offered his entire purse to Paddy to ensure the fight would go on. Now, both men's claims are being disputed by by the other and I think perhaps we could get a nice fight between these two in 2020 sometime. The groundwork is laid there. Let's just hope that weight cuts go well next time. Moving on to Bellator 235, which took place at the SSE Wembley Arena on Saturday night. Both Michael and I were in attendance there. And we bared witness to what has to be 
the longest running fight show in the history of British mixed martial arts. There were staggering 15 preliminary fights. Yes, I said 15 preliminary fights before. Denmark Sorenbach took on Terry Brazier in the first card, first fight of a three fight card. Now I said this in the build up to the fight and I'll say this again afterwards. Back versus Brazier was criminally under promoted by Bellator. Not only did you have two world champions, in fact, I'm doing him a disservice by just calling them two world champions. You had two champ champs. Yes, I'm using the infamous champ champ term that was coined by a certain Mr. McGregor there. You had two champ champs going head to head with one another and there was no reference made to their achievements in Cage Warriors and in Bama throughout fight week, which for me was a bit perplexing and given the short notice in which the card was all came together, you would have thought that Bellator would have tried to market market as much as possible, but I'm not in charge. Moving on to the co-main event of the evening, which of course was the eagerly anticipated battle for British middleweight supremacy between Fabian Edwards and Mike Shipman. Now, this was a very, very close fight in my eyes. And initially, I scored the fight for Mike Shipman. But on second viewing, I actually ended up scoring the fight a draw. Now, a lot of people, surprisingly, and I, I, I do say surprisingly because I didn't really think he did much in the fight, and he was rather gun-shy. A lot of people scored the fight for Fabian. Um, personally, I don't see how he did that, but I can understand why those who value counter-striking over not so much lay and pray because that, that's, doing, that's doing Mike a disservice. Um, just top pressure without progression, that's, that's, a, that's, a nice, that's, that's a nicer way of putting it. Could score it in Fabian's favor. Now, my immediate takeaway from the fight was that we have to have a rematch. These guys have to run it back. I don't think that's going to be forthcoming. Or I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Fabian... Although he said he was open to it, it seems that he set his fight sights, set his fights, set his sights on fighting Castello Vanstinas. And personally, for me, that's a fight that I'd rather see than an immediate rematch with Mike. And obviously, you you all would have seen the spectacular one punch KO from Michael Venom Page against the late replacement Giovanni Melillo, who was brought in as a replacement for Derek Anderson. Now. I, I think we all knew how this fight was going to go. I think we all thought Michael would stop it. I didn't think Michael would stop him so emphatically with a one-hit equator. But ultimately, that's how the fight transpired. And it's another highlight reel for the MVP highlight package that Bellator can use and further market him down the road. Now, Michael, obviously, as you all know, has set his sights on a rematch with Douglas Lima, who handed him the sole loss of his career. And Douglas Lehman obviously is now the welterweight champion, having defeated Roy McDonald. I personally think he needs to get a win over a name opponent to get that rematch. And the name that stands out to me for him to get that rematch is Roy McDonald. Roy McDonald is kind of at a crossroads in his career. We all remember his comments where he, a, a while back where he said that he didn't think that he could hurt, hurt anybody now. So I think if he wants to get that title shot, being McDonald, who is still one of the best welterweights on the planet, would certainly go a long way to getting that. Okay, that's all from me, Chisanga Malaya from the Daily Star and Daily Express. Look forward to speaking to you all next week. Take care and enjoy the rest of the show. I, I suppose just like 
just like Chisanga um, alluded to, it was for us in terms of UK mixed martial arts, a very full week. And it was great that, you know, he highlighted some of the the, uh, the talent actually taking place outside of the, um, you know, US uh, or, or, or the um, US brands, which are better known, i.e. Bellator. You know, for me, it was, though, all about Bellator this weekend. They dominated in terms of social media, in terms of clicks, in terms of the actual MMA media who attended the events. We had a full-on, and uh, it was good to see a a lot of the old faces who I'd not actually seen in a while. People like MMA Jim, people like Jasanga Malata, people like um, Abby and um, Simon Head from... Uh, MMA junkie, you know, shouts out or shout outs to all of those people, Pizzi Carroll, people who, you know, um, I regard as uh, people who I look up to in terms of opinions and uh, peers. So, you know, for me, that gave it the gravitas that it needed. It was a big, it was a a, a grand event. But um, I take Jasanga's point in that, you know, for many people looking at this, um, it was a little bit hard going from the prelim point of view, because there was so much to get through. Um, I don't know, were you sitting through all of those fights? Because, you know, we, we can neatly double back before we finish off the main card. In terms of the prelim action, you know, one of the points that he made, and he was really, you know, a pain to underline it, that mm-hmm. perhaps too much of a good thing is a bad thing. There were, there were that prelim section or that prelim um, portion of the card was very, very deep. Yeah, it was a very long prelim card. I couldn't, I couldn't catch all of it. I just could not devote a whole day or half a day to prelims. I will be honest. Mm. Um, but I think nonetheless, it was still a successful card. And it was great timing, especially being that there was no UFC this weekend. So I'm pretty sure Bellator got some new viewers and, of course, the old ones. And it was the perfect card to kind of, you know, to tune into. I, I enjoyed it, you know, and there's plenty to talk about, you know. So, Do you like a deep card? Is that your thing? Because I, I know in terms of the U.S. interest, there's a lot of European names on there. There's a lot of UK names, especially London, considering, mm-hmm. you know, putting bums on seats is part of the, the game and the aim of the game. But for you, you know, a deep card, is, is, does that float your boat? No, no, because I find, that, <laughs> I find that deep cards are oversaturated with talent that I'm either unfamiliar with or talent that just yeah. doesn't belong there. You know, and then a lot of times when I'm unfamiliar with a fighter, their performances will have me like, oh, I need to, you know, look out for this person. But I find that on a lot of deep cars, there's a lot of bottom of the barrel. Yeah. There's a lot of what the hell am I watching? Is this even UFC or Bellator caliber? Like you could have stayed on the regional market. Sis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so no, I prefer I'm old school. I prefer quality. You know, I prefer less cards. I prefer one pay-per-view a, a month and a fight night a month like the way it was years ago because it was just quality. It had me like a fiend waiting for like certain cards. So yeah. this new market where we're kind of getting a card every weekend, is it fun for the podcast and just with my MMA friends and MMA Twitter? Absolutely. But I do feel like the quality of the fights are definitely going down. And some of the commentators too, how they rotate them, I get confused and dizzy and some are better than others, you know, so... No, not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did spend a little bit of time 
backstage and um one of the things i noticed was again they're using paul daly in in the um, in the sort of um yeah, yeah in, in 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 the um presenting point of view and he is i would say a natural fit and he yeah. does eloquently put across his point we're going to get back to paul daly when we touch on michael venom page yes. uh, in a in a sec but just sticking with the prelims ever so slightly were there any standouts for you in terms of the prelim uh, portion of the card because for me um as soon as though you know walter gahadza was someone that i had my own i was slightly you know obviously um got disappointed that he didn't actually secure yeah. a win this is again coming off a loss but you know well done lou long because lou has actually been out a while and to secure that submission mm. um everybody um would have seen that in terms of keith the victory in the lead up to that fight because you know it's well known that Gahadza, his go-to is stand-up. His right. striking prowess is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, uh, Paul Daly being one of his, his sparring partners. Is. So his key to victory, and that is um, Lu Long's key to victory, was always going to be um, submission. But, you know, as well as that, I was quite impressed by Rob Whiteford's return to the cage, considering how long he'd been out, and secure over Sam Cecilia, who, you know, to a certain extent was... Um, a, a tough opponent for him, yeah, and I like the, I like the, the the point that he made. Look, don't give me a scrub, don't give me a bum. I want someone who's going to test me, and I really feel that Sam did that. And considering, you know, a lot of people put a lot of store by you know cage rust being a thing. Um, well, Rob Whiteford proved it certainly wasn't. Yeah. But for you, in terms of like you know the prelims section were there any that kind of you know jumped off the page and um well floated your boat on the night oh absolutely i tuned in just in time to see denise keyholt versus uh, sabriha zengul from turkey who's mm. making her debut couple of things i loved about this fight is that um denise keyholt's on the low has a chin because before she dropped her opponent uh, sabria hit her with a very hard right hand that snapped her head to back and it also yeah. caused, and Denise was also moving backwards. So I like that she had the composure and the wherewithal to drop mm. this woman with a hard right hand while moving backwards. It was beautiful and pinpoint on the chin. And then she's like, you could see Denise like, oh, shit, I dropped her. And then she gets down on the ground and submits her. And then, of course, you know, did you see the drama afterwards, Mike, where the, um, the young lady, uh, Sabria from Turkey, was like, she was first she cried. With a mouthful of blood, because <laughs> Denise popped her so hard, she gets wow. up. Yeah, she was crying. I saw her on the floor crying. I felt bad, and then immediately mm. I no longer felt bad for her because she started talking to Denise like, "Oh, if this was a kickboxing match, I'd kick your ass," and something like, "You said we were gonna <laughs> kickbox," and then myself, <laughs> it was wild. What? And then also, I loved how while she was saying that with her mouth all bloodied, Denise looked at her and did the typical what most women do when you're talking crazy is roll your eyes at you and keep it moving. And Denise looked yeah. her up and down and kept it moving and took her little victory dance and kept it moving. It was so funny. And the blogs and MMA Twitter, they destroyed that young lady from Turkey. Wasn't really mm. an impression, a good impression. But your debut and being a sore loser doesn't really 
make people want to clamor to see you again. In fact, they clown you online. Like I saw so <laughs> many jokes about that. Like, hello, you're in a mixed martial arts bout. You're not in the this isn't glory. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 <laughs> I, I didn't actually see that, but good for Denise. Good for her and um, keeping it real and keeping it moving and you know doing her job let's just uh you know put 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 this back on you know her opponent her job was to get in there and perform under mixed martial arts rules right. that's what they'd signed up for she may want to take a look at her bout agreement right. and her contract that's what someone just said to on get Twitter. further confirmation of that <laughs> but it's true yeah because she I, was like upset say, she got submitted i'm like why mm. like it's MMA, if this was glory, yeah, Denise would be probably thrown out and disqualified. But this was Bellator, which is MMA. And and Sabriha was so mad. And she literally had a temper tantrum. It was was entertaining. I mean, in the long run, it looked bad, but we were entertained. Look what we're talking about. We're laughing, you know. It made Denise look good, too. So it was pretty funny. It was good for the prelims, you know. Oh, oh, definitely. I, I mean, you know, and, and, and nothing uh, floats my boat more than drama. So exactly. I, I definitely need to actually take that in, considering that, you know, it is up now for um, on-demand viewers. But circling back to the main card, Soren Back and Terry Brazier, um, a lot of yeah, people yeah. were echoing um, what Terry Brazier said when he actually exited the cage you know and, and rather um indignant about the fact that he was trying to work in there and you know Soren back was stifling him with you know what he thought was a boring style i mean from your perspective how did that translate um well on screen um well saying almost similar to sabria zengul i just thought you're like a little bit of a sore loser do i understand his frustration Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure someone that is more comfortable in the stand-up and just only maybe defensively wrestles or knows enough to get by is probably not happy that someone wrestled them to death. You know, I'm sure you mm. want to get up and you want to unload and you know that you can knock this person out and you can't because they're stifling you. His feelings are justified, but to kind of grab the mic and talk shit like that when this is, again, not glory and a mixed martial arts bout, it kind of makes you look bad. You know, it, it's like... Sir, you need to work on your wrestling, not be upset that he, you know, outwitted you with something that you need to work on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it it makes you kind of look like, again, like this Turkish woman, a sore loser, you know, but Mm, mm. I understand. I'm sure Terry was very frustrated, but hats off to Soren. He did a wonderful job in the grappling department. And he literally, because, you know, Terry tried to use that reach advantage. And I knew he was going to do that. He was jabbing him. And and then Soren just was able to get past that jab, get inside and take him down and keep him down and keep doing it. And he won fair and square, you know? Yeah. And and the thing is this, what I was um, particularly interested in, I mean, just going back to, what Chisanga was um, making in terms of a point when um, he did his segment. And that is, in the run-up to this fight, I have to say, this definitely flew under the radar. It's a point which I made when, um, I'm not sure if you saw, it's actually um, tagged on my Twitter page, but I did a piece to camera for Bellator. And one of the things which I raised about this in terms of my breakdown of this fight Mm -hmm. was you're looking at two former champions. Now, I understand why you wouldn't actually talk about um, the fact that they actually fought in um, their previous promotions. I wouldn't mention them by name if I were Bellator, obviously, because you're not giving promotion, free promotion to other promotions 
But what I would do would big up or be bigging up the fact that, you know, we are looking at two uh, of, well, Europe's uh, most exciting fighters in terms of the fact that these are warriors who have been champions in two weight divisions. Um, and to coin, again, a point made by Chisanga, to coin McGregor's uh, phrase, you're looking at two champ champs. Now, yeah. one of the things which I was a, a little bit, as I say, perturbed about and um, raised it again uh, in, in the piece to camera was, I think they missed a trick here. Soren Back is a massive signing coming in from an organisation which, you know, to a certain extent, I don't care how they actually dress it up. Bellator are saying that, you know, Cage Warriors aren't a rival, aren't um, someone who uh, they are looking closely at. I would beg to differ because if that were the case, then why have you signed um, someone who was, well, quite a big feature on that promotion? But the fact is this. Um, I would have bigged up the fact that, you know, you've made this massive signing, you've made um, this massive matchup and made more of it. I just think I totally agree with Chisanga that this definitely um, was something that they missed. It was a trick that they, um, they definitely um, uh, could have made more of. I agree. I totally agree because it's like, you know me, I'm from the States, I'm over here in Brooklyn and I get a lot of my... You know, I learn a lot about European fighters from you and some of my European yeah. MMA Twitter people, and they were, like, so pumped for this guy. And when I picked against him, you best believe my mentions from Europe blew up. When I was like, I'm <laughs> going with Terry. The, the, the Europeans were like, well, you're not too keen on this guy, huh? You know what I mean? Like, they kind of pulled my card, and I had to explain to them, like, I am biased. He's been on the WOCast. That's one. You know, I'm going to pick off my heart here. And, you yeah. know, with Terry being on the show and all and being such a gentleman. So I went with him with my heart. But I also thought with his reach advantage, he might be able to keep him at bay with that jab that I discussed. Mm. You know, because mm. Terry's pretty damn good, too. Don't sleep. You know what I mean? Like, he can beat Soren, but Soren's grappling was too much for him. But I do feel yeah. like Bellator did drop the ball as far as promoting him. And Bellator mm. can be hit or miss with things. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes that they knock things out the park and some things they're mum on. And you're kind of like, why promote this dude? But... Hopefully yeah. they will. They'll maybe they'll see the reactions of Europeans and whatnot. But Europe knows about this this true Viking. <clears throat> Don't sleep. One one thing I like about um, Bellator, and um, they should be commended on this. This should happen as a matter of course, but it doesn't with other promotions. Mm -hmm. If you are critical, and that is critical in the sense that you are being constructively critical, other promotions tend to shun you, ban you, and to That's ensure true. that your life is made hell. Mm -hmm. Now. With Bellator, they seem to be very open to the fact that, yeah, sometimes they fuck things up. Sometimes they get things wrong. And they're very open to constructive criticism. And Which that is, is if you are being constructive, yeah. they will actually, you know, take on board things that you say. Now, there's many a time that I've been on either online or either face-to-face -face or over the phone uh, to Bellator officials. And I'll say things as blatantly as I'm saying them to you now. You know, and they will. I, I, I really do feel to a certain extent they will take on board what you say and act on it, which is the main thing. Don't get me wrong, they're not being pushed, pulled in every which way, direction based on a whim. But if you are openly and constructively critical of them, they tend to listen. 
Yeah, and then um, so also they're still like a developing company to me. They're they're trying out tournaments. They're doing this. They're doing that. So I'm pretty sure they're mm. open for discussion and 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 ways to you know learn and you know and it's a competition. And improve. Yeah, and it took the words out my mouth and to improve. So I feel like when you're not at the top, when you're kind of Bellator, when you're kind of like. You know, UFC is kind of considered the monster organization and Bellator is next. I feel like yeah. your door is open for discussion because you're kind of competing with the other company. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I like Bellator. The only issue that I have with them is like the, the um, tape delays and the app and sometimes. But other than that, I think it's quality mixed martial arts. I was thoroughly and, entertained this weekend. And again, they are listening because I get the distinct impression that um, the whole tape delay thing is around programming scheduling because they've got so many people on board in terms of uh, people to serve content to whether it's the zone or whether it's sky or whether it's channel five so everybody has to get their slice of the pie because let's not forget that bellator are in the business of making money now you make money from your programming and you have to um you know serve that programming to fulfill your contractual obligations so I don't think people know the intricacies of these contractual arrangements and agreements. And I feel that people tend to forget when they look at the product being on the face of it disjointed because it is on so many different platforms that they are trying to serve, you know, to, to, to well, to coin a phrase which makes me uncomfortable, but it's the only phrase I can go to right now because I can't think of a better one. They have several masters that they are trying to yeah, serve. and you can't make everybody happy. There is always going to be that asshole mm. or that critic that has something to say. And as far as the tape delays, it's like even myself, they've got a worldwide market. You know what I mean? So sometimes I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and watch it the next day. But it's but when I do watch the next day or if I'm frustrated about a tape delay, I do like what I'm eventually watching. So the content is pretty good. You know, so like I said, there was no UFC this weekend, but I was thoroughly entertained with this card. And I'm looking forward oh, to Bellator 100%. Double. Yep. Mm, mm. I mean, just just capping this all off now with, you know, MVP in the main event. Now, we all know that there was no way that they were going to get anybody on short notice to the heady heights of the stature of the previous opponent, and that is Derek Anderson. But I was slightly um, baffled by the choice, considering, you know, in terms of what this guy actually brings to the table there is definitely no credible threat there and we saw in the night that you know he was like a rabbit in the headlights he looked he like was, a fish out of water it, it it looked like a complete mismatch and you know to have him you know starched like that you know he was knocked out stiff you can was see that coming, further so. underlining of how you know disjointed that particular aspect of matchmaking was Oh, yeah, there was plenty of complaining afterwards, even though it was like a highlight reel knockout in mm. in MVP's hometown. I know statewide, I don't know, you know, by your way, but a lot of folks and um, were complaining that, you know, they're ha- you know, it was a nice knockout, but they want to see him, um, you know, fight someone on his level again. And also, too, let's go back to what Paul Daly said. I thought what he said was um, holds true to MMA Twitter and to the um, state side. You know, and what else what is he supposed he to do with that, somebody that's, you know, he's outclassing? You're supposed to knock these people out. So what's the celebration? Mm. And I can say, Michael, in the States, people agree. 
Yeah, you see, what what did Paul say? Because I didn't catch the broadcast in terms of what he um, summed up. But I get the impression that, you know, he was angling for um, MVP versus Paul Daly too. Or is that me uh, wishful thinking? Yeah, he did throw that in there. Like, um, ah. it's so funny. What, cause basically, Paul Daly said, I don't have it in front of me, but Paul Daly basically said he, it was a wonderful performance, but that is what he's supposed to do. And that he is, you know, MVP is constantly fighting people that are not on his level. And that when mm. he does fight somebody on his level, like himself and Lima, yeah. he struggles. Yeah. And Paul Daly was like, a lot of people think that I won the fight. And even if he did win the fight, you scraped by. And then when you fight Lima, you get knocked out cold. So he's, Paul Daly was alluding, he left the word cans out, which was very professional of him, which makes him also a great commentator. But he basically yeah. said what we all say, no more cans, no more people that are not on your level. And it's just getting kind of old. And Paul Daly would like that rematch, you could tell. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it seems like on the WOCast, when, when you interviewed him, he was over it. But it seems like seeing um, MVP get all this glory for knocking out someone that was a clear mismatch kind of maybe invigorated him to rematch him again. Like it, it, you can tell his interest to, to rival him and to beat him up has, uh, has been brought back. Something's changed in Paul. I think he wants that well, rematch. If you think about it, um, I, I suppose maybe you haven't seen this um, particular angle in Paul, but I've known him for what mm-hmm. coming up to actually, it's no, it's over ten years now. And there's one constant theme with him: one, he knows how to make money. He is a true businessman in the sense of the word, in that everything to him, there is an angle in which he can actually capitalize on his own brand. And I feel that considering what he said in his last interview, if you remember rightly. London is where he'd want to actually lay his gloves in the middle. I feel as though, in terms of a headline, this would make him, obviously, a hell of a ton of money. So that's what's actually, I feel, motivated this reinvigoration to get back in there with Michael Venom Page. I feel the fans are due it, considering that, you know, we were robbed the first time round in that it was placed in the States, considering it was a UK rivalry. But I feel as though it does, yeah, it it does actually (laughs) fit his narrative in terms of exiting the game. Plus, it gives both men an opportunity to kind of like, um, it's a redemptive story in that they both acknowledge that it wasn't the best, it wasn't the prettiest, Mm, it wasn't the most uh, enticing and engaging performance. And I really do feel this gives them the chance to actually run that back, but to run it back in the fashion that we all expected, and that is for them to strike it out until only one man is standing. I agree with you, but I do think that their last performance, meaning their last fight together, excuse me, was a stain on on the fans' mind a little bit. I mean, I I can't explain to you how disheartened I was to see two people that are just top-level strikers grapple each other. And then the best part about it was that they're not very good grapplers. That was the worst part about it. So we were privy to two folks that that's not their expertise, yet they did it the whole fight. So the only problem I have with this rematch is how do you sell it after a weird grappling performance like that? And do fans want to see that again? Because do we run the chance of seeing that again? Oh my God, that would be horrible if they decided to, you know, have a jujitsu competition again. 
the fans the fans will lose it. So I think that's the only stain on that rematch. Should they have it? Absolutely. And I'm on board with Paul. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I'm not going to talk too much shit about MVP. I mean, you should have seen the blogs, Mike, after that fight. Like, only his fans were like, guy? he did it again. But anyone who was not a fan of his was just mm-hmm. like, I don't care. Like, he's just, th- people are tired of it. People really want to see him fight, um, you know, higher level competition. But here's the thing. He didn't have to take that late replacement. He saved the car. You know, like, he could have been like, no, scrap my fight. You know, like, people exactly. need to realize that, too. So, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And here's another thing. When an elite fighter is given a mismatch, that's what you're supposed to do. So let's give him credit for starching people for our entertainment. Just like Valentina, she starched Jessica I. That's what you're supposed to do, not play it safe. When Tyson yeah. Fury fought that guy, I can't remember his name. He was bobbing and weaving and breakdancing and just beat him up. Because why? It was a mismatch. You entertain us mm. if somebody sucks and you're, and you're the bomb. And that's what he does. So I think some of us need to appreciate that instead of shitting on him all the time, you know? 100%. You know, you hit the nail right right firmly on the head when you you know talked about the fact that look he saved this card by staying on it and staying in it knowing what the backlash would be speaking of backlash which just reminds me mm-hmm. if you haven't checked it out already on um WOTV's youtube and uh WOTV's, um website there is a segment where michael venom page reads mean tweets about I himself and i found that <laughs> hilarious yeah. it's just like just just the deadpan uh, unacknowledgement or, or just just deadpan moving on from every single tweet which basically says you're a you're a can crusher and he's you're like yeah, crusher, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay <laughs> you're original it's like as much as we talk about it you think he doesn't hear it day in and day out you know what i mean and secondly what else is he supposed to do just like it's not his fault that he had a late replacement fighter. I'm sure he didn't know this Italian exactly. guy either. That's risky. Plenty mm. of fighters like John Jones and other people do not take risks that MVP takes. So, and then he's doing it in extraordinary fashion. Give him a break. Mm. And then eventually, they can't. They can't keep giving him cans. You know what I mean? And, and again, for the uh, for the listeners, cans is just slang that I'm using. I don't believe there's any cans on a, um, a professional level of fighting. I just mean someone that's a lower tier fighter. They can't keep giving them to him. He will be tested. So just wait and hope nobody like gets injured when we when they announce that fight. You know, just have a little patience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was a neat bow on Bellator London. But just sticking with Bellator just slightly for a second here, or even possibly more than a second, I caught up with Leah McCourt at Bellator London, behind the scenes with her, and uh, this is what she had to say. So, in terms of where we are now, we've had the massive announcement with James Gallagher and Cal um, Eleanor being announced as the main event for Bellator Dublin. You know what I'm going to be asking you now. You know what I'm going to be kind of like ferreting around for. Are you going to be on that card? Yeah, I'll be on the card in uh, Dublin. Can't wait. Um, there'll be a big announcement in the next few days. and uh, So excited. Dublin's the best crowd, best card, and it's just the best show in Bellator. So... In terms of opponent, are we looking at an international opponent or are we looking at someone from the UK? I mean, just give us a bit of a hint, give us a steer as to where it's going. I'm looking for an international opponent. I've said who I want. I've said I wanted some, some of the ranked girls, some of the top top girls, but I'm not the matchmaker. I say yes to whoever they give me, so I'm just excited to see who they think or who they want me to fight next. So in terms of the, um, well, 
The scene in Ireland, I've got it in my head that, well, for a while it's been stagnant. It's been stagnating because of the lack of shows, the lack of um, local shows in particular, who've, well, from where I'm sitting, <clears throat> gone to ground. Have I got this right in my head? Because obviously I'm not there in Dublin. I'm not there in Ireland. I'm not there, obviously seeing what's actually happening on a local level it, from where you're sat from where you're standing from where you obviously live how is the scene in ireland yeah like i i, I don't think it's stagnant at all i think the gyms are getting busier there's a lot of local shows that don't get a lot of media coverage there's there's a lot of um, there's a big amateur scene big teams from ireland going off to the imafs and coming through turning pro so then we've got like the likes of um bellator coming down and, and kind of making a way for for fighters to come up and aim towards so it, it's. It, I, I think it's positive. It's, it's going forward. So, from where you're sat, though, in terms of the people coming through on the amateur circuit, have you got an eye on the amateur circuit? And are there any names that we need to look out for? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Jer Harris and Scott Harvey both train under Owen Roddy, and they're just his proteges. They're they're just phenomenal. Like they're my sparring partners for my fights. Um, there's other good amateurs I can't think off the top of my head but the, the amateur scene is massive and all those guys should, I always say should be going and doing the IMAFs and getting building a bit of a profile and getting a name for yourself do you know because obviously it's it's such a hard kind of market to try and market yourself and get a bigger name and you have titles like that it's easier for you to get on the, on, on the big shows now you obviously sat here with me at Bellator London I thought in my head that this was a card that you were looking forward to, um, well, performing on. In terms of, well, performing in front of your home crowd, is it getting a little bit samey for you now? Are you looking forward to, say, 2020 when you are going to be spreading your wings and doing something a little bit different? Not at all. If I could fight in Dublin three or four times a year, I would. Like, I've been to every show around the world and won championships in, in Kuala Lumpur, UFC, everywhere. And nothing is like... Anybody I speak to, Hoist, uh, any of the officials, anybody, they all say Bellator Dublin is the best show they've been to. And finally, we've got Bellator... <laughs> we've got Bellator matchmaker in the house. We're going to invite him on. We've got, um, obviously, a stacked um, roster now. In this roster, and especially coming up to 2020, who have you in particular got your eye on? And I'm obviously alluding now to you inching your way to the belt. What I'm trying to picture in my mind is, in terms of strategy, who in particular you will be targeting to, obviously, realise that dream of holding that belt. Like genuinely, I always say I don't. I don't care. Like every guard is going to come to fight and going to come with skill, and they just they're going to bring a test to the table. So like I genuinely just say like I'll fight whoever they give they give me next. Like there's no, I don't think there's any like stepping stones because the division isn't that big. You're just going to have to build your name and build a bit of a uh, a winning record to get to get that title shot. Fantastic, Liam McCall. Looking forward to February the 22nd, 2020, when we see you back in action. Thank you so much. Now, it's uh, evident that Leah is going to be on the Bellator Dublin card. I'm really looking forward to 
seeing her back in action one thing i would say about her she's always out and about she seems to be uh, almost an unofficial brand ambassador for bellator she's very very yeah. vocal in um well putting out pictures of her exploits what she's doing what she's up to and she does seem to be the it girl uh, about town right now I think rightfully so. I think um, this is what we were just talking about with Bellator. Sometimes they nail it when they know who to promote mm. and who to push, and then sometimes they don't. And I think they nailed it with Leah McCourt. She's attractive. She's articulate. She's intelligent. She's got you know, mm. she's got that accent I love, and she's hilarious. And then she's friendly, you know. And oh, definitely. And then forget all that. She's good. She's she's beating up her opponents, submitting them. She's she's dominating them, and then she's you know what I like about her? She's uh, professional and polite. When you were like, I, I heard you, Mike, trying to push some buttons and start some trouble as always. <laughs> you know, you retired her, right? Like you know, you, you sent her packing, right? And she quickly said, No, 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 that is her decision. And remember, in the last yeah. interview, when you tried to push some buttons, she was like, No, 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 I don't do mm. that. I just go out there and I prove myself. So. I like that she's authentically herself, but also not like selling herself in a way that's inauthentic and just not organic. Like she's literally being herself and she's a star, you know? So yeah, I like it. Definitely. Yep. Very, very media savvy. You're right. Mm -hmm. There were certain um, elements of that interview in which I was trying to entice and, and goad her into, you know, yeah, um, being off her guard. But, you know, she wasn't having a bar of it. But yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, goading, uh, a certain fighter was actually goaded into making um, some comments on Twitter about, you know, people needing to put respect on his name. We're talking yeah. about Darren Stewart. In the conversation um, last week when the announcement was made for um, UFC London, which would take place, I do believe it's March 21st, um, 2020, and more than likely at the O2 uh, Arena. His name isn't being brought up in the conversation. And, um, you know, I feel it's only right that he puts it in his own words and explains why he thinks that might be the case. UFC London was announced for, what is it, March the 21st, 2020. Now, there are lists which are going around. There are people clamouring to see, you know, this, that and the third. But your name is, again, absent. Why do you think that this is? Um, I don't want to say they've got something against me um, But it feels like that What have I done wrong? Let me know But I feel I'll do my piece inside the cage And I feel I'll do my piece outside the cage And uh, I'm not going to say no names too tough But there's people that are calling that That I've been signed before And they get mentioned, not me Why is it? Like It's not just by one person or two people It's by loads of people you know, they're not calling me out. And there's there's this guy, I'm not going to say his name, but everyone knows who it is. He's giving everyone interviews. He's not interviewing me. I've been in UC for three years. You're not interviewing me. And everyone keeps telling him as well, why are you not interviewing Darren? So he's not interviewing me. Uh, I don't want to say people in UFC. The thing is, yeah, it's not people in UFC, you know what I mean, that's saying, not mention my name. It's people that's working maybe alongside UFC, would you say? That's not mentioning my name, do you know what I mean? So I feel that if they're doing a job for UFC, then obviously UFC might not be picking up my name. Um, maybe they're trying to... I'm trying to see some positives, not always negatives. Maybe they're trying to just keep me behind closed doors and hit them with the bang and say, okay, you know what, we shouldn't surprise the fans and, you know, Darren is on the card. So I don't know what it is, but please let me know because I'm just seeing pop-ups of names being mentioned, not me. And, and if anything, yeah, I'm not the best... Uh, in the world but I'm the most entertaining fighter 
in the UK, I would say. Do you know what I mean? Not only in the cage, outside the cage as well. Who's got my personality from the UK? Who who fights like me from the UK? Who's got image like me from the UK? The dentist, do you know what I mean? You, no one. So why am I not being mentioned? So it got to the point where I've had enough now, and now I just leave it to the fans. The fans are doing it now. You, if you see me on Twitter, um, I'm, I'm I'm retweeting it, but I'm not really pushing for it because I've had enough. Like. If I don't go on March, cool, but let me go somewhere like, I don't know, China or something. Stop sending me to the States. Not that I love, not that I don't love the States, but give me a break, you know. But hopefully, um, I want to get on March and back to your question. Yeah, I don't know why they're not mentioning me. You know, I think considering you are a Londoner, considering that, you know, we are around the corner from, um, well, essentially something which should be featuring the cream of UK talent. It would be a devastating blow from where I'm sitting for you not to be included in there. But, you know, let's just look really in terms of 2020. What are your aspirations? What are you looking to actually get um, achieved? What are the things which you really want to come the close of 2020 say, you know what, I completed that? Obviously, um, I haven't fought too far yet. But one thing that's on my mind is just getting a W and making money for my family. I don't work. You know, right now I'm just sitting there waiting for a fight, you know what I mean? So while I'm sitting, I'm not making no money. Don't have sponsorships that pay me, you know? So right now for next year, just get a W, you know? I know everyone's saying, oh, Darren might have played it safe this year. Yeah, you could say that, but why am I going to stand and bang for certain fans when I get injured and they go home back to their normal lives, their normal jobs, you know what I mean? I was told by a coach, yeah, that you don't get paid enough to stand there and bang, and if they double your money, you still don't get paid enough. You've got two kids to think about. And I thought, you know what? It's true. Cause when I had a proper stand-up with um, Julian Marcus, it was fun. It was fun. I loved the stand-up. And we got bonuses here and there, blah, blah, blah. But when I was in hospital, who came to see me? No one. Do you know what I mean? So you could sit there and say, yeah, Darren paid it safe this year. But in the day, I got the win. I'm still looking beautiful. I'm still healthy. Still there for my kids. You know what I mean? And I got the win. So next year, what is on my mind is just to keep winning and get the money. Get the money, support my family. And finally, I mean, just looking at the UK landscape, I can see, you know, you're basically training um, now at London Shoot, right? Yeah, yeah, I train with them as well because they help me in my camp and then once my camp's finished, I go help them as well. So. so in terms of the change, because I thought originally you were in the Romford base, I think it's called the MMA Clinic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, MMA Clinic Angel, but we also got a gym in Romford as well. So I train both of them, uh, them two gyms as well. So how are those two now connected? You're at London Shoot, which I have to say, having been there um, several times over the last 10 years, they have got a rather unique way of training in that they, tra- they train and spar hard to the point where, you know, people do sustain and pick up quite a few injuries because of the live sparring that they do there. How Am I, am I reading this right, that the sparring is and that the training is like on a different level? Definitely, and I love it. That's why I fit in there. They treat me like family there. They know that when I come down, I bring it. I don't back off, and I get out, I get what I need out of their guys, and they get what I need out of me. This is why I'm saying that when people say I play it safe, they don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I'm going to shoot fights. You don't know how we fight. We're we're, we're throwing it down. You know, I go to certain gyms and I throw a right hand. Coaches are like, "Oh, Darren, take the power down. Take the power down." You throw a right hand and shoot fights. Well done, Darren. He should have seen that coming. 
Okay, yeah, so do another one, do you know what I mean? Throw that head kick, throw that leg kick. He's took me down, like, you get little, once you get injuries, yeah, you get little niggles, you know what I mean? But you learn from it because too many people, yeah, they don't have that kind of sparring in their, in their, um, in their gym. And when fight day comes, you get clapped. You're like, whoa, what was that? Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying you should fight like that every day because I go down there once a week because I've got my own schedule to think about. So I tend to go down there for, first it was wrestling, but now we do a bit of wrestling and we do sparring. So I go down there once a week. And to me, once a week's enough. That's all I can really fit in now, to be fair. Um, so that's, uh, that's enough for me, to be fair. But I love the smoke. Yeah, you know this. You know, like I don't need to prove to no one. That's what that's the problem I had in UFC. I was trying to prove to the fans that you know I can stand and bang, but I don't need to do that. I do it in the ring. I mean, sorry, I do it in training with shoot fires or other gyms, and uh, if and there's the time and place for it. Do you know what I mean? But if I can, like I said, back to your last question. Sorry to go off the subject. If I can just go out there and just get the win and be happy and get my money for my family, I'm good. You know. So yeah, I'll, I'll fit in that gym down there. I love it down there. Incredible. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you March 21st. I would be shocked and surprised if you're not on that card. But, you know, I really do feel that 2020 should be your year. Mm. I said 2019 is my year. It has been my year. So 2020 will be my Every year is my year, you know, until it goes wrong. And even if I lose some, it's not a loss, it's a learn. It's still my year. Because I'm doing my bits outside the cage, you know. I win some, I lose some, but... That's what I said to you back before. Who, who, who's who got my image? Who's got my personality? Like when I'm presenting, people said to me like, you know, why are you not presenting? Why are you not commentating no more? Do you know what I mean? Why are you not presenting? Get down on there. Can I just keep it real? Something different. You know what I mean? A lot of robots these days. So I do my bit outside the cage as well. So 2020 is not only about fighting and winning. It's also about expanding myself as well, growing in the, in the I don't know, commentary scene or the presenting scene. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's what 2020 is about for me. So... You know, I can understand his frustration. I can understand why he feels as though, you know, he's been shitted on. Because to do what you're doing and to not get the recognition and to not get the the same mention as other people when you're talking about putting cards together is a massive oversight. And it's not like, you know, Darren is a shrinking violet. He's out here putting on entertaining fights but I suppose the key and most important thing you know he is very articulate and you know I'm surprised more people aren't actually interviewing him but it just isn't actually popping off for him right now in terms of people um, engaging with him and giving him his propers and that is you know including him in the conversation when you're talking about a UFC London card. Well, I will say this, um, you know, I'm going to give the stateside perspective as usual. And mm. when it comes to Darren Stewart, there was some, you know, build up with his fight against uh, Deron Wynn. Like there was some Twitter traction that got me, you know, looking at their pages and then me discussing it up with MMA Twitter. So there was yeah. a buzz behind it. But when the fight did happen, it wasn't something that really set the fans back like whoa we got to check out another Darren Stewart fight in the states you know what I mean like yeah. there was controversy yeah. with who won in fact fans were talking about Duran Wynn even though he lost they were talking about what he needs to do in his next training camp and yeah I felt like with that performance you're as good as your last performance I don't know if you've heard that term before so, yeah, yeah yeah so if we apply that to Darren Stewart fans are not clamoring to see him um right now because of his last performance stateside 
because of Darren Wynn, the fight that he just had. However, mm. I recognize that he's immensely talented. He's also handsome. And also, too, um, he's pretty damn good. And I, I agree with you that he speaks quite well on interviews. He's got like such a like um, feisty little personality. I could hear it with your interview with him. And he just yeah. sounds incredibly frustrated. But I think one more fight in the UFC stateside, if he kind of goes out there and does like a Lerone Murphy, or if he goes out there and he puts on an exciting fight, the fans mm. will the fans will start talking again. He just needs one more in the States. But Mike, I have a question from listening to this interview. Why doesn't he like to fight in the States? You could hear a clear disdain for you know, he's, you know, he likes the United States, but he's good on fighting there. And I just was like, hmm, I got to ask Mike about that. What do you think that is? The impression I got from him was he's happy to fight anywhere because, as you heard, this is his sole vacation or vocation. So that's how he makes his money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, give him his due. He's a London boy. He's a London ah, man. He's yeah. London born and bred. East London in particular, he keeps on bringing up. Now, considering that the O2 is in East London, considering that he is London born and bred, it's high time that, you know, he was actually entered into the conversation every time or at least once when people are actually talking about a London-based card. But as he pointed out, he never is. Yeah, he is being overlooked. I will um, agree with that. And he's he's really good. His striking is is is. is I like it. It's top-notch. But like I said, I'm a bit of a hardcore fan, so I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to him. But if he wants to bring in, like, these newer fans and these, you Mm. know, casual, only watch when Conor's around type of fans, he just needs one, like, stellar knockout or something that's going to get us talking. And I think he's in there. And I'd love to see him on UFC London. I mean, I could put a whole card together right now if you ask me to. Arnold, Allen, Darren, Stewart, everybody. You know, I'd throw everybody Mm. in there. But I I hope he makes it. And him, Leon, Arnold, Allen, I really hope to see them. And Nathaniel Wood. I hope they, they, I hope it's just full of everybody that we love from the UK, including Darren, you know. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, That being said, all the names that you've mentioned, uh, you've not included Dan Hardy in that. Now, one of the things which he said recently is that he is looking to make that comeback. Now, in terms of um, the London card, is Dan Hardy, first of all, someone that you'd like to see come back? And is Dan Hardy someone who you'd like to see on the London card? Um I would be excited to see him on the London card, but like I told Dan Hardy in person, like I am worried for him. Like he kind of was like, oh, (laughs) but I'm like, are you okay? Like it was a pretty, it's a pretty lengthy time off and he had a heart condition and I, I, you know, but I did see him doing some work, you know, on his own time and he looks great. So he's been doing Mm. some work. If they booked him, I'd be down. I'd be very curious to see what the outcome was and also who is he facing I think that would be awesome for the UFC London card. I yeah. think more. I think that would definitely get um, stateside viewers to tune in even a bit more. Like the the United States loves Dan Hardy, so and they oh, liked definitely. him when he was a fighter. They liked his look. They, that's why the UFC was pushing him so hard. I yeah, mean, he had yeah. it all, you know. And, and we remember him, and people miss him. So even if you don't want to see him fight, like you're concerned, like me, you'll tune in and watch. You know who he is. Uh, hashtag definitely will watch. You're right. He was a favored 
son, uh, especially the Fatita brothers, they, they loved him yeah. and um, did fast track him into that yeah. uh, title fight with GSP. But the thing that like worries me about all of this, people seem to have selective amnesia in that, you know, from my memory, I'm sure he's coming off the back of four, four losses. Yeah. So that's the only, I, I think, sticking point here in that um, as much as he has given to the UFC, as much as, you know, his commentary is, I would say, outstanding. I really feel that's his vocation now. That's his calling now. And fighting is something which, as he has done, um, he's reviving that now. As he has done previously, it's something which he should pack away. Yeah, and he has but a very... who am I to be telling yeah. fighters when they should <clears throat> and shouldn't quit? Correct. But it just strikes me that, you know, we need to enter into this conversation the amount of losses that we're talking about here. And in a, a very apparent weakness that he has, which is wrestling. I mean, people figured out very early on, including GSP, that you just take him down and keep him there. You know yeah. what I mean? So if, mm. if um, it's been quite a while since he's fought, and I find that when fighters have a very glaring and apparent um, weakness and you can study tape, you can basically win. And it happens to quite a few fighters. Luke Rockhold, Carolina... Um, can't pronounce her name, but the Polish young lady. Once people figure it out, James Vick, once people figure you out and you have a blatant weakness, it's over sometimes, unless mm. you address it. You'll so, be exploited, yeah. Yes, they better word, exploited. So hopefully it's not just Muay Thai that he's looking sharp in, that he's working on something that people are obviously going to want to exploit in him, wrestling. Mm. So, But I'm and watching either way, you know? Oh, definitely. That's what I'm saying. I, I would definitely watch. But picking up what you were saying there, speaking of sharp... We had some uh, rather sharp and quick-witted comments in the letters or emails which actually came through. I suppose it's time, just before we actually wrap up, to segue neatly into letters from the listeners. Yeah, so we've got some, they're, they're various today. Because um, there was no UFC this weekend, we've got different topics, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So okay. let's start with UFC DC, which is coming up. And MMA by Milliken says... If, uh, mm. Ger- um, if Rosenstruck sends Overeem back to the Shadow Realm, should he actually yeah. face Zenganu next? What are your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, definitely. Why not? Yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be the biggest test for um, Rosenstruck because mm. um, Overeem, yes, does he have a chin that's a little questionable? Yeah, but he doesn't really fight the same. People complain he skates now and runs away. I think he just fights smarter. And I think hopefully he learned his lesson from overlooking Francis Nanganu and, and kind of just coming in there with his chin up and just being mm-hmm. as aggressive as he was and getting knocked. And I mean, that knockout was one of the worst knockouts in UFC history, if you ask me. So yeah. I think um, something tells me he's learned from that, and I doubt he lets mm-hmm. another newcomer do that to him again. But Rosenstruck is equally as dangerous. And if he gets past Overeem, yes, we need to give him... We need to let two of them bang and see who's got the heaviest, you know, punch. <laughs> and I oh, would definitely. love that. Definitely. Yeah, that, that definitely gets my thumbs up. Totally agree. Yeah, good question. Um, next question is from um, Sirius King. Very pleasant, very nice follow, intelligent man. I suggest you guys give him a follow if you want to discuss MMA. And his question to he us, Mike. hella intelligent. Yeah. Oh, he's I like great. his nutritional tips, hints 
and um, advice that he gives out. Love it. Yeah, he's very like just chill. Doesn't you don't see him going back and forth with people, and then he's not just about MMA. There's recipes. There's all types of stuff, and he's just yeah. And um, yeah, he's he's also a New Yorker. Shout out to the Bronx. Um, Yeah. So his question is, what are your thoughts on Haitian as well? Um, I believe he's he's something. I'm not sure. I don't think oh, he's okay. Haitian, but he's definitely from one of our islands, Michael. Well, I'll have to find oh, okay. out. So his question to us is, what are your thoughts on MVP? Obviously, he is talented, but is Coker, Scott Coker, hurting him by giving him subpar competition? Definitely not hurting him. Look, MVP is in the business of being the MVP, and that is, he is living up to that when you think about it. When we look at headliners when we look at draws when we look at people who are gonna generate headlines generate clicks and put bums on seats mvp's name actually enters the fray and i think as well mvp is a smart cookie he's in the mvp business to actually build his brand but not only that have fun along the way and he's been able to do that with the help of uh bellator firmly behind him, establishing him in terms of a brand and establishing him by giving him opponents which, you know, to a certain extent, haven't really taxed or um, stretched him. But what it has done is built the mystique around MVP as a brand, but also um, enabled people to, you know, get very much acquainted with him. And you're either tuning in to see him actually do flashy kicks, flashy um, punches, flashy all-round behaviour. Also, the rhetoric as well is equally flamboyant. He's very, very quick-witted, very, very silver-tongued. I really feel as though this is a smart move of Bellator and that they've nurtured and actually brought him along to a certain extent. But also, people seem to miss the fact that he has been tested previously you have to keep remembering that when he fought cyborg while cyborg was in the twilight of his career he was still cyborg it's like saying you know um well i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna put um ex-opponent against fedor remember he's still fedor right Right. he's still dangerous correct exactly he's still a live dog but not only that Let's not remember, or let's not fail to remember in the, in the, in the um, all too distant or in the all too recent, sorry, um, past, he fought daily to a win. And, you know, considering where he actually featured in the um, Bellator tournament, people seem to have selective amnesia when it comes to Michael Venom Page, and this term can keeps reappearing for. I feel now in his career, um, unwarranted uh, reasons. So in yeah. short, I, I rate what Bellator have done with Michael Venom Page. I rate Michael Venom Page for the way in which he has steered his career with really good people around him. Um, a, a few of which I, you know, had the um, had had the pleasure of actually meeting and talking to in terms of strategy. And what they've been doing with Michael Venom Page in terms of building his brand and ensuring he has longevity after he has hung up his gloves as a business person they're building him as well. So in short, I definitely don't think that they are hurting him. They're not hurting uh, brand MVP either. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. I don't think they're hurting him, but I will say this, Mike, like Sirius's question is indicative to what I was saying about people stateside and my mentions and, and like the blogs. The fans yeah. over here, they're ready. They're ready for him to test Lima again. They're ready for him to kind of face someone that's going to give him a little run for his money. I think there's just this question is indicative to those grumblings, which I can kind of understand. But I do not yeah. think that him knocking people out in flashy, flashy ways is hurting him, his brand or Bellator at all because casuals see him doing this. I like seeing him do this, whether you complain or not. That shit was pretty. That overhand right that dropped that Italian man and made him look like he was reaching for the creator on the floor was brilliant. Mm. You know, and the way he stood there and didn't even move afterwards. And then he walked off was just what you tune in for for a fight. So that's not hurting his career. But, you know, I will say this. People do. I agree with you. People do forget that he's had some formidable challenges in his career. And when he fought Lima, don't forget, he was doing pretty damn good until Lima put his lights out. In fact, he wobbled Lima. When Lima knocked him out, Lima was on shaky legs. He almost did the stanky leg fighting MVP. So we need to see them fight again. And people need to remember that MVP gave Lima a run for his money. And Lima is one of the best welterweights in the world. So don't think because he's crushing cans that he can't fight someone on his level. You know? like Don't don't let that Paul Daly fight put a bad taste in your mouth, y'all. Like, Mm. this guy is really good. And, And as well, I think what a lot of people aren't seeing is the multiplier effect of what MVP brings to the table. What I'm talking about is this. Look, my sons are 10 and 12. They're not allowed to watch mixed martial arts. But yet, when I um, saw them today, they were talking about this flashy guy they saw in the news and they were chanting MVP MVP Same. we saw him on the news dad he knocked this guy out and I thought wow look at that yeah 10 and 12 what MVP is actually doing in the minds of a 12 year old child he's building interest now these are the future audience these are the people who are actually going to be visiting um, and looking at people similar to him yeah. in terms of brand building I would say that people need to look beyond building uh, MVP as a brand and look at it more of building mixed martial arts for longevity in the minds of those people who are coming up who are going to be the future audience. And I think people need to realize that you're tuning in to watch him beat cans. It's working. You know what I mean? And not only are you watching him beat up cans, you're getting mad that he's not. And so the minute they give him, you know, somebody that's on his level, you're going to sit your ass down and watch. All these people complaining are not going to stop watching him. That's the best part, Mike. So it's working. <laughs> Whether you want to complain about it or not, you tune into his fights. So. You know, exactly. You can tweet about it all you like, but everybody's watching this guy fight, including myself. Ready, mm. ready for the next one? Go for it. Okay. Um, let's see. This is from Meep MMA. And mm-hmm. I don't know. He wants to talk about Dante Wilder. And his question is very simple Is Dante Wilder mm. the GOAT or is he not? Well, Put it this way, from the performance I saw last night, and that is in round seven, you know, starching, you know, somebody who obviously he's beaten before, but the fact is, you know, it's still a a live dog, it's still a credible threat. I I wouldn't go so far, though, as to, you know, have him down as the GOAT. For me, the GOAT in boxing will always 
and has always been Muhammad Ali. Oh, same here. Same here. And, you know, I just think it's a trend nowadays. No disrespect to our listener, and thank you for the question. Mm -hmm. But it is a trend that, you know, when somebody wins in emphatic fashion, it could be one fight or ten, you're the GOAT. And do I... Do I think he's the GOAT? No. Do I think he's one of the hardest-hitting heavyweight boxers in history? Yes. I don't think we've ever seen somebody that is just not technically sound be so successful with one right hand. I've just never yeah. seen anything like it. In fact, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you and the viewers. I don't follow boxing unless it's a huge fight like last night. You know, like mm. the superstars. So I'm yeah. not too familiar with them as I am with mixed martial artists. So when I watched Dante Wilder, I was shocked to see how rudimentary he was. I was just like, wow, like he's really just waiting to unleash this bomb. I don't see too much. That's right. There was no combinations. There was not too much. There was not the, you know, the, the, techni the technicalities that I look for, especially in boxing, because pe boxing is far more technical than mixed martial arts. You know, so when I didn't see yep. that from him and then I Googled his record and I'm just like, he's amazing, but he doesn't come <laughs> off as a regular boxer. He's a puncher. That's greatness in itself. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Like he's amazing. There. And the power mm. he possesses, we will never see any. I don't know. I, I, I feel like talking big shit because I'm getting excited. I never see nothing like that come <laughs> from anybody. But, you know, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm going to watch all his fights now. But. Goat? No. Muhammad Ali. 100%. We got one more? Um, no, that's just about it. A little, it was a little quiet on our end without the UFC and whatnot. But, I mean, a lot of the questions, Mike, I'll be honest with you, they're repeat mm. questions about MVP. They're pissed, bro. Uh, yeah, right. They're pissed. They want to know what we think. Like, they really, really want to know, do we think he's a can? Do we think he's fighting mm -hmm. cans? When will it end? Like, you know, I don't want to keep repeating the same theme, so... But they're definitely right. wait. The states are waiting for him to fight Lima or somebody else. I'll ask you a question: <laughs> Who mm. do you want to see MVP fight next? I'd like Rory McDonald. I, I like the fact that you know they are, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, they are giving him an op opponents which are testing him because I I do feel that you know, Derek Anderson would have been a test. The fact is he fought Lima. That was a test. The fact that he fought Daly. That was a test. You know, as I mentioned, people have selective memory. And they're ignoring um, the, Derek the Anderson, who would have been a test. Like, people don't realize that the yeah. test was booked, and he, he, mm. he, you know, he got out of it. Like, I don't know why he backed out of it, or I don't know if it was a late injury, but I repeat to the listeners, Derek Anderson was a test for MVP, and people are, like, yeah. ignoring that. This was a late replacement fight. I don't know that Italian yeah. dude either, but thank you for stepping up, because it was fireworks, you know? Mm, mm. Now, for me, for me, like like I say, the old romantic in me wants to see MVP and Paul Daly run it back again, only because I really do feel in my hearts of heart that if they were to run it back a second time, there is no way that they would rob fans twice. A, they'd have it in the UK, so in that respect, they wouldn't. Um, I, I feel it would be more palatable as well. But B, I really feel for well, in terms of strategizing, in terms of um, game planning, um, it actually backfired on Paul. So for him to pull that out of the bag again and try that same approach, it would be ludicrous. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm not too keen on the Paul Daly rematch, but, you know, I definitely watch it and I'd pray it would be a different type of, like, bout, no grappling maybe or less yeah, grappling. Because yeah. yeah. I'm one of the fans that I'm worried that's going to happen again and that's something I don't ever want to see again. But mm. um, for me, I don't want to see him against Ro- um, Rory McDonald, although I toyed with that idea on Twitter because I think Rory would just grind him out on the, on the floor. You know what I mean? I think he, Rory's not Paul Daly. He's going to take you to the ground and grapple, and he's, he's pretty decent at it. So I don't want to see that. My answer, call me crazy, would be Andre Karvashkov, yeah. the, the guy who just fought um, Larkin. Mm. And all, he's a scary dude. I'd love to, and he's a striker. So I'd love to see him and um, MVP go at it. One of my um, Twitter friends reminded me of him, and I was like, oh, that's even better matchup than Rory. For me, I think it would be more exciting. But, you know something, yeah. again, in the videos that we cut during the week, I put five names to um, MVP, one of them being Raymond Daniels. And mm. I would love to see that. But he told me, for love, no money, that ain't taking place because they are too close. Oh. I also put um, Andre Koreshkov to him. And he said that that's a name that has never been put forward. And um, so I, I like your, your thinking on that. But I also put to him uh, Paul Daly. And what he said to me was, you know, obviously for a late replacement opponent, Paul Daly stepping in uh, wouldn't be something which he would consider because you'd need time to build yeah, it. To I really it. do feel that if they are coming back early next year, for Bellator London, you have more than enough time to build it up if you announce it, say, in December. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they do announce it. And I think that's why I think Paul commentating on his fight was brilliant, mm. just to have yeah. him there. And then mm. Google what he said, Mike. It's beautiful because it's not catty. It's not drama. But it's the tr- it's what everybody online stateside is kind of what they're saying. Great, good yeah. performance. That's what you're supposed to do. Can you please fight somebody on your level? You know what I mm. mean. But he did it yeah. tastefully. So it, it's it's um you know I don't I didn't say it verbatim, but I'd love for you to go back and maybe watch that little segment of the show. You, you'll you'll enjoy it. I think, and also the fans appreciated him. I saw a lot of shout outs for him commentating on Bellator, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he is very slick usually. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wocast. As usual, you can continue the conversation, continue the flavor, you can continue the beef. <laughs> if you want to join us on Twitter, I'm at Mike TV and Gina is at G from WoTV. Boom. Until next week, make some trouble. As always, later, Mike. Oh. Oh.